ministering in those quiet places. I love when he comes close by and just brings peace. Right? Brings his presence and quiets all of the ranting and the raving of the day. And he just comes and brings peace. Thank you, Father. Well, good morning. I, um, Kathy and Lonnie are on their way back. Uh, they were they intended to be here this morning, but of course, with everything we're experiencing out there with the roads and things, so we'll see them probably this afternoon or or tonight. But we'll see them for sure next week. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I uh, maybe you could just bring it down a little, Ben. Um, it sounds like it's really loud. Um, you know. Yeah, well, the angels, right? The angels, it's a full house. It's a full house with all the with all the angels. Matter of fact, there probably is a line outside all the way to the road, right? See? These are the days of visitation. These are the days of angels. And these are the days of, of miracles and signs and wonders. These are the days where we celebrate the birth of Jesus, right? And But... Uh, the world really uh, comes and is more open in these times than in other places. So, Father, thank you for your signs, your wonders. Thank you for the, the, these are the days of miracles. Amen? You know, Debbie was speaking last Sunday that God, that her view of who the Father is has changed as she uh, gets older and um, really comes to experience just the grace and the mercy of who our Father is. And, you know, I can really identify with that because in the natural, we all have fathers, right? We all have mothers. And when I was growing up, I uh, didn't fear my dad, but my dad was my dad, right? And if I did something wrong, he wasn't quick to pounce on me, but he was very quick to make it clear that there was a certain behavior Right, that was acceptable, and there was other kinds of behavior that wasn't acceptable. And I don't think I remember once my father ever spanked me, but he had the, that authority. Right, he, he he carried the father. And so Debbie was talking about, you know, when she was young, she had this idea of who our father is, God, and God isn't. We're, we're learning who we are, our, we're understanding who we are in Christ, we're becoming to know who we are in Him, what our call is, we're becoming to understand what our purpose is, we're becoming to understand that He's not a God with a stick waiting for that one last mess up where He uses that stick to just crush us. Though sometimes we may feel that way. Sometimes we may feel like, how long, God? God doesn't have a stick on the side of his throne in heaven. And he doesn't reach down and pick it up and threaten. That's not his nature. Instead, the very thing that is beside him in heaven is Jesus the very thing that is witnessing to God and interceding on our behalf is Jesus. And Jesus is forever interceding. He's forever got us in mind, His bride. 
And when Jesus, when God looks at you, he sees the blood of his son, which is a long way off from the stick. Amen? Amen. The father sees the blood of his son and the passion of his son for you. We're, you know, we're on a journey and we're regaining the knowledge of who we are. These last several Sundays, all the way since Tabernacles, we're beginning to know who we are. It's not a head knowledge. And I was struggling a few nights ago just to explain where we are and what we're experiencing. It's not a head knowledge towards self-sufficiency of doing our own thing, right? Sometimes if you get a job, right, you figure out, well, that job carries a certain authority, carries a certain amount of responsibility, all jobs. And as you become comfortable in that job and knowing what your role is, sometimes that leads to self-sufficiency and self-preservation, which God hates that. And the things that you're experiencing is not the knowledge towards self-sufficiency so we can do our own thing and be sustained irregardless of anything around us. God rejects that because it's full of human wisdom and self-glory and pride and all kinds of things that are the reason that the third of the angels got booted out of heaven. Pride, envy. But the changes you're experiencing are through the Holy Spirit, revealing to the inner man really who you are. How many of you have your Bible? Hold your Bible up. Everybody have a Bible? Come on now, how do you come to church without a Bible? You've got to have your Bible, you've got to have your sword. Tom has a brand new Bible that Kyle got him, and it's beautiful. It's got like big print that even I can read without my glasses. And yeah, see? So you got to bring your sword with you. You got to bring your sword. Who knows? Maybe somebody will ask you to read your favorite scripture and release that into the atmosphere that somebody else needed. Amen? So you got to bring your sword. Those of you who do have your Bible, turn to Romans 8. I'll give you a couple minutes. I love that God is ministering who his sons are. Who you are as an individual, not a, proto, not a prototype of your neighbor, right? Not a prototype of your parents, but unique individuals. Romans 8.28 And now we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and to those who are called according to His purposes. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined. We've heard this message since Tabernacles. You have been foreknown. He knew you before you were put into your mother's womb. You were known by Him in the thoughts. Maybe your earliest memory is around when you were one or two or three years old, but God's earliest memory of you is way before that. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined. 
So at that time when God knew you, He predestined you to walk a life as it's written in the books of heaven. Now, predestined. Interesting. So we have God's thoughts of you in the past. From today, looking backward, God knew you before you were born, before you entered into your mother's womb. He knew you. He had thoughts about you. He planned your life. He planned that there would be blessings. He planned that there would be ways of encouragement. He even planned that there would be trials. But according to His Word, before the foundations of the world, you would be overcomers all the days of your life by the blood of Jesus Christ and the Word of your testimony. So even when He, was pre, even when he knew about you before you entered into your mother's womb and you were predestined to carry out a life, God knew you in the past to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. So God knew about you before you were born. God knew about what kind of life you would live. He knew that you were on a journey to be just like His Son, to be conformed to His image, to be conformed to who He is, and to be part of something so grand and so great that the world has not seen it since, as of yet. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. So there was a point in your life where you were called. We heard the testimony this morning, as Debbie said, I knew God at one point, but then I came. And I experienced something that I've never experienced before. And her testimony is, God called me. God called me. And according to the Word, you were called. You were predestined in the, in the ancients of past. And in the present, you were called by God. Whom he called, these he also justified. So God looks at the past, God looks at the present, and God also looks at the future according to your life. Does it feel like your struggles that you were in are out of control? And that there isn't a plan? Do you feel like you're maybe not winning the battle? Do you feel like it's just onslaughts of your adversary day in and day out and where is God? Do you feel like you're not called because how could God use me? Look at my life. It's a mess. I've got all these things that I'm struggling with. We're beginning to know and understand who we are. We're beginning to line up our thoughts with what God says about us. You were pre-known. You were called. You were justified. Justified. God looks at the recent past, whom He also justified. These He also glorified. 
God looks at the distant future and sees something that's a completed work. All in this verse. You're called, you're justified, you're glorified. Did you know that you're getting a brand new body? Thank God. Can't, it's just amazing. Hard to imagine what that's going to be like. Bones don't ache and muscles don't ache and as we get older, right? Well, God says that we're going to get a new body. Predestined. He called you. He justified you. And He glorified you. What does this really mean? As we begin to understand who we are in Christ, how did all this take place? How does all this happen? What's, it, what's the purpose of it all? What does it mean to be justified? What does it mean to be sanctified? What does it mean to be glorified? What does it mean to be righteous? These are things that He is revealing by His Holy Spirit that you would know. That you're part of something more than just a good Christian who's on his way to heaven. Right? Justification, simply put, is to declare one righteous. To make one right before God. God is declaring to those who receive Christ to be righteous, based on Christ's righteousness being imputed to Him according to those who receive Him. So He isn't saying all of mankind is justified. He is saying only those who are in Christ, only those who have received His Son, only those who have got Christ working in their life and are reaching for the things of God, who are reaching to understand what is written about me in heaven. If He knew me, and my earliest memory is when I was two or three or four or five years old, then God has memories stored up and written down about who I was before that. Debbie said, I knew God, but then I kind of walked away. And then God called me, and I found myself here in this place. And there was a man who told me things that no man knows. You understand that there are workings of God. When He calls you, He justifies, sanctifies. He, he declares you holy. We can certainly focus on our sin of why we shouldn't be glorifying God. Thank God that it doesn't work that way. In the sense of I can come to God when I clean myself up. I can come to Him and experience His love and His mercy when I do these things. He said He despises that kind of thinking. Those aren't the way He thinks. Those aren't his thoughts. He says all of this is by grace and faith. It's all by faith. We're justified by faith. In Romans 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So God isn't on His throne 
thinking about your sin. He has declared you righteous. He has declared you justified. What does it mean to be justified? I told you, it, it, it just means to be in right standing before God. Certainly you have an accuser. He's been spewing out his lies, at least around me, for the last several days. Trying to accuse me, trying to get me to focus on who I was before God declared me justified, sanctified. I suspect he's doing the same thing with you. Bringing thoughts and accusations to you to get you to think less of yourself than what God's Word says and declares about you. Justified. God says you're justified. And the reason you're justified is because you have been found in Christ. And the reason Christ is justified is because He came to the earth... He experienced sin by all of it heaped upon his shoulders, the sins of the world. He experienced rejection. He experienced hurt. And then he died on the cross. And he went into the lower parts of, the he- of hell and he unloaded all of that stuff in the bottomless pit. And then God the Father raised him up and he was presented in the courtroom of heaven, declared to be justified. In other words, everything that Jesus said he was, every, every miracle he did, he was accused of being Beelzebub and Satan, he was being accused of being a cult and all of these things. But on that day, the accusers and Jesus stood in the courtrooms of heaven, and God said, you are righteous. You are right. Everything you said was right. And now we have regained the the trail for others to follow. And, And God will declare them right if they're found in Christ, in Jesus That is, we are declared righteous in God's sight. Are you waiting for somebody on this earth to declare you right? Are you waiting for your adversary or your accuser or whatever stands against you? You may be a long wait. Because really, all that matters is what God thinks about you. That's all that matters. By raising Christ from the dead, God declared His approval on His completed work of redemption. God declared throughout all of creation, this is my Son, sinless Son, who died for the men and women that will follow Him back to me in this place. And He also declared at that time, His approval, God's approval on all that would believe in Christ and be united with Him. So you had a life before Christ of sin. We were doing our own thing. Living the way we wanted to live. Going after the things that we wanted to go after. 
We were orchestrating our own way and our own life. We were in a mode of self-preservation, self-service, pride, really void of Christ. And then when He called us and we awakened and we became aware of His presence and we gave ourselves to Christ, in that moment of time, you're justified of who you are according to what is written about you before you were in your mother's womb. You're justified. It also says that we're sanctified. What does that mean? When something is sanctified, you can sanctify objects, you can sanctify people, you can sanctify whatever. What does it mean? To sanctify something means that object or that person has been set aside for the purposes of a holy work. Did you know that you've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ? You are set aside from the old nature, from the old Adamic natures and the old ways of doing things, living for yourself, pride, envy, the ways of this world, to do a work. You're sanctified. You're declared holy. You're declared clean. You're declared acceptable in the Father's thoughts. So who does God delight to hold the precious things that are His? God is so passionate about wanting to give the precious things that are hidden. And He doesn't want to give them to just anyone. He wants to give them to a people who understand how they've been sanctified, how they've been justified, how they've been called. You're on the verge of miracles, signs, and wonders. You're on the verge of breakthrough. You're on the verge of the God who delivers. You're on the verge of thinking differently. You're on the verge of ascending into heavenly places, understanding the patterns that are in heaven, and bringing them back to this earth. The story is told with Jacob when he's going to a distant land for his own purposes his own ideas about who he needs to be. And then he saw the angels ascending and descending, and she said, surely this is the gate of heaven. And he built an altar there. And on his way back, because God said, go back to your family's home. That's where I have anointed you. That's where I'm going to deliver you. That's where I'm going to build you up. That's where I'm going to strengthen you. That's where my covenant is with you. In other words, where you have been placed in the body of Christ, that is where God assigned you to be, to prosper in everything under heaven. The problem was, Jacob was, in, was fearful, because years earlier he stole the birthright, and he was thinking that Esau is going to kill him, and all these accusations against him, and I'm going back to die, right? So he comes back, 
He's on his way back. He's struggling all the way back with what he's going to do. I'm going to split my family up into different groups, and I send them in different directions. If Esau, my brother, gets me, gets one group, at least he won't get the other. All these things he's trying to figure out to obey God. But God justified him. God called him, justified him, and sanctified him. And God was working a plan of deliverance. And as Jacob spent that night wrestling with the angels, have you been wrestling in these last days with the trial that you're going through? You're wrestling. You're no different than Jacob. You're looking for the places of deliverance. You're looking and longing for the places of where is the battle? When is the battle going to stop? Jacob was thinking, how am I going to walk through a place and obey God and die and be annihilated? How is that going to glorify God? So we wrestled. You're wrestling right now with the accusations against you, the things that people say they're going to do, governments, friends, family, work, whoever it is, you've got a decision to make. And the decision that you've made up until this day is to stand under the anointing and the favor of God and do what He's asking you to do. Jacob could have gone to some other land, taken his family, ignored God, and done something completely different, and called that good, and found a way to live a happy life. But he didn't. And so he wrestles with the angel all night, dislocates his hip, changes his name, and said, now go meet your brother Esau sends a whole entourage ahead of him trying to make peace. And in the end, Esau said, I'm just happy to see your face. And they fell on each other and they cried and the family was reunited. What an amazing story that turned out differently than how Jacob thought it was going to turn out. That's your God. No matter what plan you think of, in ways that your life could turn out, you probably won't figure it out. God's probably got another way. So that means that you have got to stay with God and obey His voice. I want to get back onto my notes. 1 Corinthians one twenty six. Who does God delight to show the precious things? Does He delight only in those that are PhDs and well-learned, doctors, lawyers, people of influence? Do you need to be a person of influence with a lot of people under you like the centurion was? Do you need to be a person who is well-learned and well-mannered? I've struggled with those things for a lot of my life of who I need to be in order to please God. 1 Corinthians 1.26 For you see your calling, 
brethren, that not many are wise according to the flesh. Not many are mighty. Not many are noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Righteousness. A term, did you know, God calls you righteous because you're in Christ Jesus. Do you know what righteousness really means? It means you're living right. It, it's, it's a term, did you know, it's a term taken from the courts of heaven. It's a term taken from the government of God, the, the thoughts of God, the courts of heaven. Because in the courts of heaven, somebody's got to be right and somebody's got to be wrong. Who is right? The courts of heaven declare it. And they overrule all other places of creation. The courts of this land, heaven overrules. Every wrong that has been done to you, the courts of heaven are capable of overruling. That's where deliverance comes in. That's why I'm certain we're going to experiencing transitions and deliverances in this season of time that we're in. Because God is speaking about, do you know who you am in my Son, Jesus? Do you know who I've created you to be? Do you know the struggles that you're going through right now don't define you? They shape you. But they don't define you. Do you know the thoughts of other people and how they think about you aren't necessarily my thoughts? Do you understand righteousness is the very character and the nature of God declaring you right and acceptable in His presence? What an amazing gift. What an extraordinary declaration. What an amazing God we serve. It's a judicial determination to right every wrong against you. His gift to the guilty, you and I are guilty. We've sinned. We're not perfect. But when Satan goes to stand before the throne of God, as he did with Job, as he did with Joshua, as he did with Jesus, you're no different. Your adversary goes to stand before the throne to accuse you. But if you plead the blood of Jesus, and your heart is, Father, I love you, as we sang this morning, God declares you righteous. What an amazing, which removes all condemnation and puts them in a state of justification. You become justified. Full acquittal from the charges against you. 
To have righteousness means to be in the covenant. Some want righteousness without the commitment. Some want the blessings of God without the relationship of God. In order for you to be declared righteous and justified, that declaration only belongs to the people who are in covenant with His Son, Jesus Christ. That's you. He's speaking about you. It's a gift. It cannot be earned. We get into these side rabbit holes of saying, well, I'll, I'm going to work at being better tomorrow. That's a human approach to religion. That's a soulish approach. When you're found in Jesus, He comes, sanctifies you, justifies you. He comes and sanctifies. And then over time, you find yourself thinking different thoughts. Your heart's feeling different feelings. Because Jesus is more and more a part of who you are. Sanctification, a cleansing from pollution, and includes renewal. When God sanctifies something, if I, was, I, I brought back from Israel a shofar, and I wanted that shofar to glorify God, and it's sanctified, it's an instrument that is used in the sanctuary of God for a purpose. You are an instrument of God being placed into the body of Christ for a purpose. And you're figuring out who you are as one of the first steps. Now God is saying those accusations against you, the next phase and transition of your life is for you to understand The accusations against you aren't your future. Justification and sanctification are the the means by which you operate out of the ability of my son Jesus. God's God's, uh, inheritance. Did you know that God has an inheritance? We have inheritances. People die, our fathers die, our mothers, our uncles, aunts, we, and they leave things. Did you know that God is no different? God Himself has an inheritance. Now when somebody in the natural passes on and leaves an estate or inheritance, we, we hope that it's gigantic, don't we? Millions. I have a long lost uncle. I never knew him, but I found out he had hundreds of billions of dollars and I'm a millionaire and didn't know it, right? We'd think that. What would God delight in for an inheritance? He doesn't delight in bulls and goats and sacrifices. He delights in you. You're the priceless inheritance that he created that if you don't walk away from the call, don't walk away from the justification, don't walk away from being declared righteous, and seek Him, 
said, seek me while I may be found. We heard Barbara say just a couple of weeks ago, pray. Get to know your Father. Get to understand. I love Deuteronomy 7, 6. For you are my holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the peoples of the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special people. Wow. All of a sudden, I feel valuable again. All of a sudden, I feel like I'm worth something again. I feel all of a sudden, in reading his word, wow, okay, I'm not a zero. God calls me precious a special person, a unique person, a treasure. Wow. Deuteronomy 26, 18. The Lord has today declared you to be His people, a treasured possession, as He has promised you, and that you should keep all His commandments and that he will set you high above all nations which he has made for your praise and fame and honor, and that you shall be consecrated people to the Lord your God as he has spoken. I am predestined. I'm known by God. I am called by God. I am sanctified by God. And I am justified and made righteous in his presence. Now, don't think that that means some special thing where pride can well up inside of you and all of a sudden approach it in a prideful way and use it for manipulation. That's not his heart. His heart is just simply that you would know who you are and what you were created for. And if the enemy is trying to lie to you and anything else, God wants you to know what he thinks about you. Because of this, now I am qualified to use the most powerful thing in all of creation. There are wars and rumors of wars throughout this planet. And forever, the governments of the world are trying to figure out how to get something that's more powerful than the adversary, or their opponent, or the people that they're fighting. Atomic and nuclear weapons... Understand that God called you, sanctified you, justified you to be a part of something that He wants to accomplish. And when you understand these things and take on the sonship of God, you become aware of the most powerful thing known to man for His purposes His Word. His Word. His Word. His Word is what created the heavens and the earth. The most powerful weapon against His enemy is the Word of God. There is a warning. At tabernacles, there were visitations of angels for a purpose that God sent to this region to do something. There were visitations, there were sightings, and people saw there's a huge angel right there. Right? It was 
Karen saw it. She testified. Just as it was with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, so too is it in these days. Now the children were coming out of Egypt. They were coming out of bondage. They were coming out of what their taskmasters defined them to be. And they were figuring out who they were in God. Who they were as a nation. Who they were as a people. Who they were as something that God was doing in the earth. They were figuring that out. And so the prophetic word comes to them in is in Exodus 23:20 Behold I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared God's word is timeless and he's declaring I am making a way for you to inhabit the places where I have ordained you to function and walk The place where I have prepared for you, I am making a way. Beware of him, the angel, and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. My name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies, and I will be an adversary to your adversaries. In that day, it was the people that were possessing the land that God wanted to move out of the land so that his people could possess it, the Israelites, the children of Israel. How does this relate to you today? You're not to go into downtown White River and kick everybody out of their houses and take up residence there. Who is your enemy today? Doubt. Fear. Unbelief. Sickness. Heaviness. Depression. Everything that comes to assault your mind. Everything that comes to you to witness to you that hath God really said, I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When you figure out who you are in Christ Jesus and you understand that you are sanctified, that you are justified, There is a greater degree of authority and power that God anoints you with. On the third night of the Feast of Tabernacles, Wes stood here and said, there is a new power coming to the earth. And he spoke all night long about power and authority. And he quoted scriptures. God wants you to have that kind of authority and power through His Son, Jesus Christ. But you've got to know who you are. You've got to know you are sanctified, you are righteous. So when the enemy comes to say something contrary, the most powerful weapon ever known 
is released upon your adversary. And that's where God says, my adversaries are your adversary, because I am living and active and alive in you. And when you release my word upon my enemies, your enemies, we're going to partner together and we're going to see deliverance. We're going to see overcomers. We're going to see by the, by the blood of the, my son, there is a new thing going on in Hartford Village. Amen? I will be an adversary to your adversaries. Doubt and fear and unbelief and sickness and heaviness and depression and every other oppressive thing that comes to assault you. God is lifting you up, getting you to stand on higher ground. If I see you growing up in Christ, understanding who you are and what you were created for, that the chapters written about you in the books of heaven play out in your life. They become your experience. Because Jesus said to pray, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. The books that are written about you in heaven must become your experience. Or heaven and earth can't be one. Do you sense the passion of the Father to carry this out in your life? Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10.3 as I begin to close. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every argument, every single argument set up against you. Pulling down. Pulling down strongholds, casting down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And as I close, Revelations 11.15, we're back to the angels of what God created them to do. Now the seventh angel sounded. Seven is completion. I told you that you, God thought about you in the past, God thinks about you in the present, God thinks about you in the future. And in the end, the seven angels sounded, and there was a loud voice in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord Jesus Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Revelations twelve ten. Then I heard a strong, loud voice in heaven saying, Now it has come, the salvation and the power of the kingdom, the dominion and the reign of our God, and the power, the sovereignty, and the authority of His Christ, the Messiah. For the accuser of our brethren, who keeps bringing before God charges against them day and night, has been cast down. And they have overcome and conquered Him by means of the blood of the Lamb and the utterance of their testimony. I want you to be encouraged. 
And so as I close, you're more than what you've become. God is releasing the authority, the power, the sanctification, the justification, the righteousness for you to align with His Word of what He says about you, of who you really are in Christ, that you are an overcomer, that the trials have been put in your life for God to reveal His faithfulness. Just like the children of Israel coming out, murmuring and complaining against Moses, they needed to come to a place to understand it's not Moses we're following. This is the Lord. This is God. God is orchestrating the steps of the righteous of which I have been found to be a part of and a member of the body of Christ. You're going to a higher place on the mountain. You're going to a place of greater ability to overcome, not of yourself, but by the grace and the mercy of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to be aware when the devil comes to try and convince you of some other things, you will walk through the trial because you have a choice to make. You either run and find some other way or you say, God, I'm going to trust you all the way through it. And I'm not going to try and figure out, as Jacob did, some other way to make this palatable for me to manage of my own way that's human religion. The Pharisees were caught in that and God despised it. We're following Jesus. We're following the leading of the Spirit. And in that process, He will be found faithful and holy. And your declaration at the end of it will be, My God can do all things. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. I just was reminded of, um, I don't know if it was Brother Sean, if you had a dream or it was a vision as you were talking there, uh, multiple times throughout the Word, where you were in that very dark place and you grabbed the back of Jesus, the belt, his belt, and you didn't let go. And um, I'm just reminded of that in these times, the things that we're all walking through, where it's dark, <laughs> it's hard, and um, it, it feels like we're in a place of transition, and whenever there's transition, there's conflict. And I just know that um, if we just make the decision to grab the back of that belt and just follow Jesus. It may be dark, but there isn't anything that he can't penetrate and see through and light, guide us to the, the other side. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Any announcements?